Hi, my name is Sean Schweikart. Thank you for joining us for our virtual comeback conference and uh, for tuning into this seminar uh, called Ready for Anything. We're going to be talking about um, a passage uh, that is often referred to as uh, the armor of God. Um, you know, as I was trying to think of what would be uh, a good topic to cover for this year's conference, I kept having this thought of resilience. You know, 2020 has been a crazy year, right? And honestly, uh, some of you all may be tired of hearing people say things like that. Um, you know, just let's move on. I get it. Uh, but I want to pause just for a moment uh, here toward the end of 2020 uh, and just pose maybe in a new way or a different way, just what have we learned from 2020? What can we learn? Uh, have you seen anything new about the world um, about yourself, um, and specifically around this idea of resilience. Um, you know, most of what we've seen this year has not been new. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, it's felt like it's come in big, unique ways, uh, maybe all at once. You know, there were times throughout the year where we're like, really, something else? It was even a source of memes and jokes and, and all sorts of things. Um, but here's my point. If something this year has caused you some sort of stress or worry or discomfort or anxiety, uh, it's probably not the last time in your life that something like that's going to happen and even those specific things are, are you're going to encounter, you know. And, I mean, just think about the, the broad sweeping sickness, racial tension, disparity, political tension, you know, those things, none of those are new uh, to the world or even to our culture. Um, and regretfully, a lot of those things are not um, they're not going to be gone tomorrow, you know. Um, so I think a good question for us to ask ourselves is how can we personally be more resilient? What if there's a way to increase our confidence, our strength in the face of, of issues like what we've seen this year and what are going to continue to come? Because 2020 is going to end in a couple days and the world's going to keep coming at us. So I, I hope this could be a helpful place to pause and think, reflect on the year, but then look forward um, to the future. So this passage we're going to talk about, like I said, it's the armor of God. Uh, it's from a book called Ephesians in the New Testament. So Paul's writing a letter uh, to a church that he's helped along the way. He's helped uh, get started and he's encouraging them. He's probably writing this letter from prison. So that's important to note that anything he says, you know, especially, especially for us, if we're talking about, hey, if somebody's going to teach us something about resilience, well, this guy's in prison for his faith, doesn't know he's ever going to make it out. Uh, he's been persecuted. Um, you know, he's, he's been through a lot. He even says at one point in this book that he's learned the secret of, of plenty and want, you know, that all across the spectrum, what he's learned in his faith has helped prepare and equip him for any experience. So I think it's a good source for us to, to find resilience. You know, if we're going to pose the question, how can I be ready for anything or even just the next thing? Uh, this could be a good place to look. So this passage, if you grew up uh, going to like Sunday school or something, this is a pretty common one to turn to because it's got this analogy of a soldier's armor, you know, so it's really easy to keep kids engaged with something like this. Um, but if maybe for some of you, this is the first time uh, you've seen it, but hopefully for all of us to be, uh, we can see some new things from it. So I'm gonna put it up on the screen here um, and it may, it's, it's a little bigger, so, you know, it may be good throughout this to, if you have a Bible handy or you can pull up another window, uh, this is from the book of Ephesians and it's chapter six, verses 10 to 20. So here I'll, I'll read this for us. Paul writes, finally, 
Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the day of evil and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Um, so, for starters, he says here, finally. So, in this book of Ephesians, Paul's given him a lot of... Uh, a lot of encouragement in the gospel, encouragement in their faith, and he's given them a lot of practical instruction for different uh, roles and situations they might find themselves in their life. And this is, he's kind of putting a bow on it here. And he's like, all right, parting words, finally, if there's one more thing, I'm, I'm writing you from a place of adversity. I'm writing to people who, uh, who probably knew of struggle that they were going through, and he for sure knew that it was a reality. Hey, I'm in prison for my faith, and you, this could come for you. Um, so, hey, you need resilience. You need strength. You need something to encourage you. And so he's like, finally, man, here's my parting words. This is the last thing I'm going to give you. Um, and the theme there at the beginning is, is be strong in the Lord. You know, he says that several times. Uh, he says, be strong so that you can stand strong. And in a time of trouble, you can be strong. So this is a theme to stand strong. And he says, be strong in the Lord. But he says it that in the strength of his might and be strong in God. And with it's not with a strength that you muster up in yourself, but there's a strength that we actually get from God. Not that God tells us how to be strong, but that he, that he can actually give us. So it'd be one thing if God said, I'm going to tell you how to be strong. Uh, but now this is a theme in the Bible that there's a strength that God actually provides for us. Wouldn't you rather have God's might than something you come up with on your own? You know, and then he brings in this idea of armor. Um, and that's not just a cute analogy because he's talking about armor because there's just like there's a spiritual strength that God gives. It's outside of what we can give on our own. Um, it's, it's beyond our little reality. Um, there's also a spiritual enemy, right? Um, so he says things like, we wrestle, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but there's rulers and authorities, cosmic powers, the prince of the air, forces of evil. Um, this sounds a little kooky, right? Like, it's okay to admit that. Um, and it's okay if this makes you squirm a little bit. It does me. I'm like, oh, I don't like thinking about those things. I don't know uh, what I think about all of it. Um, and honestly, this passage could be a great jumping off point for a topic that we all should wrestle with, the idea of, of spiritual warfare. Um, and we're not going to tackle that today. You know, I'm not here to answer, answer questions necessarily about spiritual warfare 
in general, honestly, I don't have all the answers to that, you know, but there are, there's a lot of complex questions that come up with that. Like who is the enemy in this spiritual war anyway? Is it the devil, that snake on his belly in the garden of Eden? Um, is it, you know, there, there seems to be enemies of God in the world. Uh, what about them? You know, and then even, and sometimes I feel like my own worst enemy. When I start to try to follow God, there's things in me that get in the way. Where does that fit into this? So a lot of complex questions around the idea of this cosmic spiritual battle. Hopefully this could be a jumping off point, but honestly, Paul gives us some great uh, instruction that we don't, I don't think we have to answer all those. There are answers for those, but but we can jump to this practical instruction that Paul gives us. So for our conversation right now, I think the big thing we need to see is that Paul is saying there's way more at play here. Okay, so things like struggle, hardship, difficulty, temptation, um, they're tied to a bigger reality. They, yeah, those are things that they inconvenience us. They make our life difficult. Um, they get in the way of our peace of mind. They uh, can affect our relationships. But what Paul's saying is there in all those, there's a spiritual reality that there is a spiritual war going on is the language that he uses. So again, looking back on 2020, um, there, there's a spiritual reality to all of the cultural, personal, health, political, fill in the blank. Uh, it's helpful and important to pause and say, what is, what is God doing? What is going on on a, uh, not just a global scale, but on a spiritual cosmic scale. And Paul gives us some great, uh, a great way to to prepare ourselves um, for that. So, I mean, think of it this way. Take just the pandemic as an example. Uh, it wasn't the only thing that happened this year, but obviously it's a big one. And for most Americans, um, at least tons of Americans, it put a real strain on a lot of things that, that make us feel confident, resilient, happy, fulfilled. Uh, the things that make us feel like we have a good, strong life, right? So the obvious one, health. Uh, on a broad spectrum, uh, in different ways and at different degrees, everyone to some degree is confronted with uh, a risk to their health. And, and many of you uh, either have experienced or know people who've experienced, uh, even struggled with COVID, uh, and it's affected our health in different ways. But uh, you look, you zoom out, and then we have all been affected with this question of, am I going to be okay in my health? And then you look at the results of the pandemic with finances and money. It may not have affected you, but it's affected millions of Americans. You know, you look at restrictions, that's affected our freedom. You know, just the personal daily freedom that we all took for granted uh, that, you know, maybe some of you all have reflected on this year. I know I have of, of just the freedom to come and go as I please uh, and leave my home whenever I want and go wherever I want. Uh, if I'm honest, there's an element of that, that that's part of what makes me feel strong and happy and uh, full. Um, and that's been confronted this year, you know, and then uh, job, vocation, you know, uh, ever, so many Americans and people all over the world have been impacted by uh, unemployment and things like that, you know, and then even for you as students, it's changed the dynamic of what it means for your vocational identity right now as a student. And then social connections, right? Those have been challenged too, that uh, we're doing this now over Zoom. We would have done it in person. You just got out of the holidays. Those were most certainly different for you. So that list, 
you knew that, why go through that? Just look at how all those things are things that the, the prince of this age, the enemy that Paul's talking about here, he can use these things to try to deceive God's people. And you can be deceived when either when these things are taken from you, and you can even be deceived when you have these things. Because all that, you know, health, money, freedom, vocation, purpose, social connections, all those are good. And they're given to us by God. But the enemy wants you to believe that if you don't have them, or that if you do have them and you don't get more of them, well, then you can't truly be happy or have joy or feel strong. Um, so I feel like reflecting on this year and seeing how those specific areas of our life have even been confronted with that one example of the pandemic um, can show our need for uh, this armor that Paul's talking about. So, and Paul says, so we see, all right, all those things that we took for granted have been shown vulnerable this year and challenged. Uh, and Paul says, if you put on this armor, you can stand against any schemes that the enemy would have as he would try to use those things, um, either in you lacking them or having them. And don't overlook, like I said, the word stand. Just like Paul hits with strength over and over, uh, he uses the word stand multiple times here on purpose. Stand strong. Uh, the Lord has put you where you are in the place where you are. And so this resilience is, is not Paul saying, hey, you do these things that God tells you to do, and that'll get you out of hard situations. No, it's more, hey, life is going to confront you with hard things. And maybe even when you do what God's called you to, it's going to ramp those up. And here's the armor of God that can make you resilient for anything. So let's talk about this armor. Um, you know, it says, therefore, because there's a battle going on, wear this armor. Um, and when I think about this illustration of armor, I can't help uh, but think of this picture of my son, Bo. Um, he is, uh, not, that's not Bo. There we go. Um, so he's about three years old here. Uh, I'm getting ready to do some work on our house. Uh, and Bo's like, all right, I'm going to help dad. And he gets suited up. I mean, he's got his, uh, his hat and his toy sword and his belt. And he's like, all right, dad, I got all the gear that I need. Uh, I'm ready to go. He's red. You know, he's ready for what exactly? He's just in his mind. Uh, he's ready. And he, here's a three-year-old giving it his absolute best. Uh, and honestly, he's not even equipped to help me uh, do the simple job of just patching up some drywall before um, before we paint. Right. So in contrast, I don't know if you guys have nerded out on this show like I have. This is by comparison to armor we're talking about. Right. Mandalorian. Uh, we've gotten on a big Star Wars kick um, with my kids over uh, kind of nearing the holidays. We were like, hey, we're going to have less school to do, so let's get a show and some movies and watch it. Um, and by far, this has been their favorite character or any of the Mandalorians. Uh, and it's because of this armor. They're like, man, this guy's invincible. There's a mystery around it, whatever. And honestly, we started watching uh, the Mandalorian and they were a little disappointed because some of it was a little too intense for a couple of our kids. And so they're going to have to wait till they get older. But mommy and daddy kept watching it and we just give them the updates every now and then. Uh, some of y'all might think that's cruel, but uh, they're enjoying it. So these are is the Mandalorian here. You guys might know about Boba Fett from the old movies. Uh, they're kind of these iconic characters in Star Wars. And it's because of their armor, right? Uh, and without getting into the themes and nuances of the Mandalorian, even though I could probably nerd out on that now after becoming a Star Wars nerd uh, over the last couple months, um, this is kind of a picture of what we're talking about here. 
You know, even just think of the parallels. This was given to him. Like this is the armor from God, just like it's the strength from God. He didn't, he didn't make it himself. It was given to him. Without it, he honestly doesn't have much to offer. If you watch this show, he's kind of, I mean, he can fight and he's got all the kind of, he's got some of what's in the superhero repertoire, but he makes mistakes. Uh, and it's like, man, if he didn't have his armor, uh, he'd be done for, like in the first episode. So without it, he's got way left to, less to offer. Um, but with it, he can handle anything. Um, that's kind of the whole point of the show. He can handle pretty much anything uh, that comes at him, right? And so Paul here has given us a picture of the, the biblical version, way beyond this, of the Mandalorian armor uh, that prepares us for spiritual battle, right? So let's just break down some of these pieces of armor that he gives us. Uh, the first one um, is the belt, okay? He calls it the belt of truth. So he says, put on the armor of God. The first thing, put on the belt uh, of truth. And this is not just what would hold an ancient warrior's pants up. Uh, it's what would hold everything together. Like everything would kind of converge that they'd be wearing on this. So when he would say belt of truth to these people, it would not just be like a belt that even would be for decoration. It's like this is an essential foundational part of what anybody's wearing, especially a warrior um, going into battle. Um, and to put on the armor of God effectively he starts here because you got to get this straight, truth. And what does he mean by truth? What does this mean for us? Um, a few questions I think that would take us toward that. Uh, one is just, what do you believe? Um, examine, define what you believe, right? That, that's, that's helping you evaluate what the belt of truth is that you're wearing um, as you go into life and what life may throw at you, right? So, um, and is it a good belt? Is it a bad belt? Is it going to hold up? Is it going to hold the rest of this together? Flesh out, now, not only define what you believe, but flesh out the implications of what you believe. Uh, what does that lead to? And in particular, what do you believe about God, yourself, the world? Uh, and then also one uh, test that I think we all need to give ourselves is, all right, this is what I believe of these things. These are what seem to be how I understand the world. And then do you agree with God or rather does God agree with you on these things? Um, and you got to look to the Bible for that. You got to look to God's people. So do you personally own the truths found in the Bible when it comes down to it? Because that's really where, you know, the, um, the knowledge that we could find, the things that the Bible tells us to be true as we grow in those toward understanding, it leads um, to wisdom. So how do you cultivate this? How do you put on the belt of truth that Paul says to start with here. Firstly, I mentioned this, but just read and study the Bible uh, and then wrestle with what you believe. Okay, so um, I realize that people listening to this could come from all walks of life and there's a broad spectrum of, if you're like me, when I grew up, there were, I grew up going to church and it was a major part of my life and family. And honestly, I was like, okay, great. Those are the things I believe because I'm supposed to and everybody in my life's gonna be happy with me if I say and act like I believe those things. But I hadn't internalized, I hadn't really examined what I believe and applied it to my life. But then the other side, this maybe this Christianity thing is new and you're tuning into this um, to figure out what you believe about God, yourself, the world. Um, and the wrestling, uh, I think, is, is what we need to do here to put on this belt of truth. None of us have just the perfect concept and uh, we all have places to grow in our understanding and agreement with God about what's true. So look to the Bible, 
wrestle with it personally. But then lastly, don't do it alone. Um, the, it was God never intended it for that, and we all uh, can, can receive help from people who are going to see things differently, who are going to um, maybe set the pace for us as we grow in our faith, um, and then also, you know, as we start applying these truths to our lives, it's, uh, it's essential to have people who uh, see your life from the outside and can, can help you apply it, that you can trust and walk through it with. All right. So next, uh, he says the breastplate, uh, breastplate of righteousness. All right. So this idea of a breastplate would be what a warrior would wear to battle. And this is covering the vitals, the essentials. All right, so I got to take care of of my heart and my lungs. Um, It protects the most. And this spiritual breastplate of righteousness that Paul's referring to is he's like, hey, you got to put this on to protect the most vital aspects of your spiritual life. And you strap it on, you go into battle, you don't think about it anymore. It is there uh, and it's secure. All right, and so... On this idea, this breastplate of righteousness that he talks about in this passage, that exact language is used in Isaiah 59. And actually, and honestly, the helmet of salvation we're going to talk about in a little bit is also referred to there. But what's different, so that's an Old Testament book, and they're prophesying about what God's going to do, about how he's going to uh, deliver his people ultimately. And um, But the one wearing that breastplate of righteousness there uh, is God. Um, so stop and think about that, that Paul is saying not, Hey, make for yourself a breastplate of righteousness. No, God has one and you get to wear it as God's people. This is his. It's not just one that he lets you use. It's, it's his. So it's not that what we do with this is that it's not that you make yourself righteous with this breastplate of righteousness that you fashion or figure out yourself. Um, And, you know, if you can make yourself righteous, then the innermost essential parts of who you are are going to be protected. No. What this is getting at is that what protects you from the enemy is a righteousness from God that's given to you. And we get this from Jesus, right? The theological term here is justification, that, that in Christ, it's God, when God looks at us, it's just as if we had, had never done anything wrong and just as if we had done everything right and pleased God. Uh, it, it's that we get the credit for Jesus's perfection and righteousness. So because of what Jesus did on the cross, we're given his righteousness. Not the key to figure out how to be righteous and perfect, but we're given his righteousness. So if you try to make yourself righteous, if you try to fix your own problems and you try to make yourself right before God, you'll be doing just about as good as my son Bo was with his plastic sword and his toys uh, that was cute, but it wasn't helpful, right? So think about how resilient this breastplate of righteousness that belonged to Jesus was, that, that he was crushed by the wrath of God. Um, he absorbed the wrath of God for us. And so if, if and then he gave us his righteousness, okay? So if, if that's the breastplate that we're given, if that's what's settled, in the heavenly places for us is that we get the righteousness of God, then nothing can touch us, okay? Whatever enemy there is, and if I'm honest, just an aside here, part of the reason I think we squirm about these, the spiritual warfare and the enemies and the powers and principalities that Paul's talking about here is because we don't know what to do with that. It's scary. 
deep down. We can call it weird, we can call it goofy, but in reality, we squirm because it's scary. But if we have the breastplate of righteousness from Christ, it doesn't have to be scary. And then the things of the world, uh, they're nothing compared to that. Now, they'll affect our daily life, but on the whole, if we want resilience, we look to this and put on the breastplate uh, of righteousness. All right, so how do we cultivate that? Well, for one, initially, we have to receive and trust in the righteousness of Christ alone. So firstly, you got to ask yourself the question of have you done that? Or are you still working to produce some sort of righteousness in and of yourself? Um, so that would be, uh, firstly, the starting point of do you even have that breastplate of righteousness yet? But then it's not just a thing in the past where, yeah, I've trusted in Jesus and I'm, I gave up trying to make my own righteousness. And yeah, he's the only, only way that I can know God and be righteous. We have to continually grow and learn and walk in what, that, what it means to live in light of that and how it affects every aspect um, of our life. All right, so next is shoes. He's like, all right, these, these soldiers, they needed, um, sorry, having some technical difficulties here. They needed uh, the belt to hold it all together. They needed, you need a breastplate of righteousness. Uh, this obviously isn't a shoe, but it has to do with the shoes that Paul is talking about. That at the shoulder, he says you need shoes um, for your feet, and he calls it shoes of the gospel of peace. So why would shoes be a part of a warrior's army? Obviously, they got to be able to cover some ground, right? Back then, ancient times, they wore sandals, but we're not really talking about what protected them from maybe thorns and just things that they'd find on the ground or calluses and blisters on their feet. We're talking about things the enemy would put there for them on the ground. That's what this random old ancient picture is. This is like an ancient version predecessor of a landmine. Okay, so when he when Paul mentioned, hey, soldiers, the enemy is putting things on the ground. You need to protect your feet and your legs. Uh, what he's talking about is enemies then would put things to ensnare the people they're fighting. So that as they're running up, they'd be sidelined. They'd be taken out of the game because of like booby traps, you could call it like this. Okay, but with the right protection, these soldiers will wear these bronze things on their feet and their shins and their ankles so that they could move with confidence. They could move with purpose. They could move toward where their commander had told them to go without being afraid of not just tripping, but really being taken out of the fight with something gnarly like this. Okay, and what shoes, what does Paul call these shoes? He calls them the gospel of peace. So the gospel is the good news. That's literally what the word gospel means. And it's the good news of peace between us and God. Um, so that's what protects our feet, is the good news of peace between us and God. Um, and just to take it a little further, you know, one aspect of this gospel is that it always has an inward and an outward component. So the inward is that there is peace between you and God. And this brings confidence. It brings hope. It changes everything. If this problem, there was enmity between us and God, but because of the gospel, because of Jesus, this the biggest issue we've ever had in all eternity has been taken care of. If that problem is solved, if that is settled, man, talk about resilience. Talk about being able to go in uh, to the battle, go in to fight. But then outwardly, God wants to use you to bring this message to others um, so that there can be peace between them and God. So another place in Isaiah says, how beautiful are the feet of him who brings the good news of salvation. All right, so... Um, 
you want to avoid the traps of the enemy. So often I think that, I really think that Paul shows this, that the gospel is tied to our feet because where the enemy will try to trip us up um, is to try to make the world smaller. All right. It's the, and what the gospel says is to live in light of something bigger than yourself. There's a bigger hope than what's right before you. And then not only live in light of something bigger than yourself, but live for something bigger than yourself. Because another thing that the enemy wants to do to trip us up is to distract us with smaller things of life, with daily things. And in, in this gospel of peace, we find a much bigger purpose that all of a sudden brings clarity to so many of the distractions and smaller things life might throw at us, that there's a bigger purpose. So how do we do that? How do we put on those shoes? One is to know and understand the gospel of peace. What is this gospel? And then another is apply it to every aspect of who you are, every aspect of what you do. Um, how is the gospel bringing purpose to your life? Um, and that brings a resilience from getting tripped up by the enemy. All right, next is a shield. Things are going to continue to just not work. That's all right. Um, the shield. All right. You see this guy is carrying a shield. Um, here's the thing about the shield. So just like we talk about the breastplate is there as a defense to protect against the vitals. We've got that. It covers the essentials. But a shield is, is mobile. And it can be adjusted to fend off attacks from different angles. Right? That's why it says in all circumstances take up the shield of faith. Um, so the shield he's talking about, it can adjust to what life throws at us. We've got the essential uh, breastplate of our salvation, but then there's a shield of faith. So what, what does he mean by that? Well, the way to cultivate faith in God is to know and meditate on his promises. If you, you know, I, I've tried this at times in my life, like, man, I want to have more faith. And uh, you can't just muster it up. You can't just try and then, oh, you got more faith. But one way to produce it and cultivate it is through the promises of God. And it's it's on that very front is where the enemy often attacks, right? So he says that what the shield fends off is fiery darts from the enemy. What is that talking about? Well, some, some say that that language, I know that you've seen like old movies and there's like arrows that are literally on fire. Um, maybe you haven't, but if you like movies like I do, like Braveheart and stuff, you've seen it. Um, but a lot of commentators point to the, the fiery, actually, like there's other times in scripture where they talk about fiery serpents and snakes. So they think it could actually be like poison that was on arrows that Paul was referring to, that they would dip arrows and things. And uh, so either way, here's the point. An arrow is a much more kind of, they, they would bombard the enemy with it and you'd have all your armor, but it would sneak in and it would get into the, the soldier somewhere. Uh, and this, the poisonous arrow, it would, it would burn and it would find a small area of vulnerability. It would get through the armor around the breastplate, but that one little insertion there would wreak havoc on the soldier uh, and take him out. It was a play. It would exploit those vulnerabilities. And I think meditating on God's promises is a way to confront directly how the enemy tries to exploit our areas of vulnerability. Um, so think of it this way. Here's the darts that the enemy throws at us. Um, things like, does God really love you? Man, if that gets in there, that can wreak havoc on your life. Is he even there? Uh, and again, as I go through this, all these questions are, they're normal for us to ask, but I want to challenge us to look to the right place 
have the right shield to protect against these. Is God even there? Sometimes it may feel like he's not, or sometimes you may just have a glimmer of, what if he's not? And then it can, can wreak havoc. He doesn't have your best interest in mind. Does God really, all right, he's got enough going on, or maybe he's not kind or wise enough to care about what's going on in my life. Uh, maybe he can't or won't really fix the problems you're facing. That can be a dart that God's not going to, I've got my problems, but God's not going to deal with them. Or maybe that dart that comes in, that arrow of God's waiting for me to fail um, just so that he can see it and then finally have a good reason to reject me. Well, now think about how the promises of God can be a shield against those things. The fact that you look at, at God's word and he says things like, I will never leave you or forsake you. He says, I know the plans I have for you, for you to prosper, to give you a hope and a future. He says, I will keep my promises to you. God's, the Bible, the whole redemptive story of scripture is full of God making promise after promise and delivering on it. He says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And I lay down my life for my sheep, that he intimately knows us and that he would lay down his life for us. So, you know, there's there's a, a passage I always look back to just where it talks about the arm of the Lord and that the arm of the Lord is not too short, that he can deliver his people. He Whatever is going on in our life that we wonder is God powerful enough, the answer is yes. And he proves it and he promises it. All right, so uh, that shield. And so how do we cultivate that? Well, learn meditate on, apply the promises of God. All right, so next, the helmet of salvation. This is referenced in that same Isaiah passage. There's the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. And just like God wore that breastplate, he wore the helmet. So it's his helmet that he's giving us. Um, and the head would have, you know, now we think of the head and we think of our brains and, okay, that's where thoughts and ideas come from. Uh, but that they kind of thought of that as coming from more like the heart back then. Um, the head was associated in a lot of ways with, with like your honor and your identity uh, and who you are. So it, it would have been an, a sign of identity, status, standing. Okay, so the helmet you wore uh, in one sense is there to protect a vital, like your brain. Um, but in our salvation, uh, it would also show, man, this is who's we are, that we belong to God. We have a secure, stable standing before God, that we wear his helmet. Um, it shows who, it showed who the warrior fought for, and it shows that this is our king. Um, so how do you put on the helmet of salvation? Well, you got to own your new identity in Christ. We were enemies of God. We were wearing the other helmet or had no helmet. But now we've been given his. We are his sons, his daughters. And then we own our new hope. With that helmet comes hope that the side we're on has a certain victory. That God, that's another of God's promises that he will make all things new. He will restore all things. And so there is no fear um, of losing. So man, we can see how that part of this whole armor of God brings resilience. All right, and then lastly is a sword. Um, you know, I had to, uh, use the, I think it's going to switch back. I had to give a nod to Braveheart. Paul would have had no idea what William Wallace's sword looked like, but it's the coolest sword in movie history. So we got to throw that one in there. Right. And so, uh, the sword that all these other ones have been defensive weapons, right? The helmet, 
the shield, the breastplate, the, the belt's holding it all together. The shoes are keeping you from getting tripped up. But here he's like, and this, this is the sword that you actively defend yourself with. And he calls it the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Um, so look at Luke 4. Jesus, before he starts his ministry on the earth, he goes into the desert and he is tempted by the enemy, by Satan. There, another one of those passages makes us squirm. There's a spiritual war in reality. And Jesus and Satan are, are facing off. Uh, and Satan's tempting him. And every response, Jesus uses scripture. He quotes God's word. He says things like, man does not live on bread alone. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And, and Satan responds and, and runs from him with God's word. Or, you know, Hebrews 4.12 it talks about God's word. It says the word of God is living and active and actually uses the same analogy. It says it's sharper than any double-edged sword. Uh, and it, then it goes on to talk about how it can penetrate to the depths of, of who we are. It can bring truth and conviction, uh, clarity, hope at the depths of who we are, right? So we've already established that there's a battle going on that's beyond what we can understand, Um beyond what we're comfortable acknowledging. And what we're seeing here is that God's word, the Bible, is more powerful than what we could understand. Uh, more than, um, this may sound trite, but it, it's not just a, a book. They're not just words. What, what he's saying here is that there is a, a strong promise, a real power that comes with God's word. So how do we take hold of that sword? There's an old analogy uh, this ministry, a lot like Campus Outreach, it's called The Navigators. These guys would always use this analogy. It may seem cheesy, but I found it really helpful um, of just the hand. How do you take in and hold the sword of God's word? And it's, there's, there's five ways to do it. And then you read it, study, you memorize it, you hear it. And then lastly, the thumb, they always say, is to meditate on God's word because you can't hold anything without that thumb. So, so hear it. Hear God's word. Uh, sit, and this is primarily through the local church, sit under the preaching um, of, of a pastor and hear, be taught God's word. Um, read it. Study. When you read it, dive in and study it. Memorize it so that it stays there and it's easily accessible. And then meditate on it. Think about it. Apply it to your life. Um, these are all ways that we can turn to and take hold of God's word. Okay, so there's the armor of God. You've got the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of our salvation, um, the shoes of the gospel of peace, and then a sword of, of God's word, right? Um, so now, just to th bring it back around, you know, so there uh, is my son Bo, ready to go, ready to do battle, but equipped to do nothing, right? And if he came if he confronted a real threat, like he might be able to attack any monster he's going to find in his closet and we could pretend and have fun and he feels mighty. Um, but any real threat, uh, he'd cower, right? He, it would be exposed very quickly. Hey, buddy, you're only three, right? But take that three-year-old bow and hand him this. What if we handed him the, the, ar the armor uh, of the Mandalorian? He would go out into the world invincible, Right. And uh, we actually, I uh, told you, we've been watching these shows, but they haven't watched them. We actually let them watch the last episode of season two. So uh, if you guys have been watching that, you know why. We just had to, they freaked out. They loved it. Um, but we've been giving these updates. And there's another Mandalorian guy named Boba Fett. Uh, and one of the episodes in this show 
somebody takes Boba Fett's armor and wears it. And we told our kids that they because they wanted the update, and we're like, yeah, that happened. And they were floored that someone else could wear that. And they were like, wait, so they were wearing his, so could he do all the things that, that Boba Fett could do? And, and in some ways he could, and it gave this guy uh, strength and resilience and power. And it wasn't from him and himself. It wasn't that he was clever or strong or powerful. It was the armor he was wearing, you know, and so that would be our kids' uh, dream, you know, in a galaxy far, far away to wear that armor. But that's a picture of us, you know. That's why Paul can say, stand strong in the Lord. And here's how, put on this armor of God. Cultivate truth, take hold of the righteousness you have in Christ, have purpose in your life and in the identity of who you are with the gospel of peace. Hold the shield of faith and remember God's promises as life throws things at you, as the enemy, the spiritual forces throw things at you. Put on the helmet of salvation. You are in God's army and then take hold of the sword of truth. And then lastly, he says, pray at all times. So it's not that here's the armor, go do your life. Uh, I'll see you in the end. But God's, then Paul says, and pray at all times. So God's not just giving us the armor and then sending us off, but, but he's, he remains and stays intimately engaged with our life, which is really the key to resilience, that we don't have it in ourselves. But Paul encourages them, pray in all ways, uh, primarily asking God for things, for yourself uh, and for other believers. Um, so I, it's our prayer, that my prayer, that that would bring resilience as we reflect on maybe some things that have been tough over the last year. I don't want us to move from 2020 obsessing over how it was and uh, we're under false hope if we think the things we struggled with are just going to go away and we forget about them. But man, if we can use that to reflect and see our need for this armor, this strength from God, it can uh, give us real hope and resilience. So let me pray for us. Um, Father, thank you uh, for Christ. Um, thank you that we can be justified in you. And God, I pray that you would um, help us take up this armor. Lord, we cannot stand uh, in our own strength, um, but God, there's a, there's a strength in you um, that we can stand on. And, and it, it seems uh, mysterious, Lord, this battle that we're in. It seems mysterious even how to find that strength. But God, I pray you would show us through just the cultivation of these simple things of putting on this armor, that it they would have a real effect uh, in all of our lives, in the lives of these students tuning in to this, that it would bring a resilience and a hope and a purpose um, that it would be, is truly untouchable. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.